I find it fascinating how sometimes big matters hinge on very small things. Um, how small things can make a big difference. For example, the idea of a, a vast ocean, uh, ocean-going um, vessel like this has a relatively small rudder to guide it. I mean, that's, in fact, something that the Bible picks up on, where it uh, is using that as an illustration of how the tongue, although it's a very small part of the body, can have a tremendous influence, both for good and harm. And it says that you know, it's a little bit like a rudder on a ship. How a spark, just a small spark, can cause a forest fire. So small things can make a big difference. Small words, just a few words, make a big difference. In the right context, saying, I do, can change your life if you say that at the right place in the wedding ceremony. Um, so small things, small things can make a big difference. And I believe that the Easter story hinges on one very small word. We'll come to that in a few minutes, but I want you to hold that idea in your mind that small things can make a big difference. The words that Roger read to us in 1 Corinthians 15 paint a very bleak picture. Um, I'm fascinated by the Saturday of the Easter weekend. We make a lot about Friday. And in our own church in Warwick, we had a Good Friday service. And we thought a lot about the crucifixion of the Lord. And we, we left it there. And I think that is right. We didn't rush straight to uh, the resurrection. We thought a lot about the, the passion of the Lord, and particularly in his crucifixion. And then, you know, churches get together on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning like this, and we celebrate Jesus is alive. That's the title of this morning's service. And that is great. But Saturday is sort of a limbo day, isn't it? What happened on that Saturday? What were the disciples doing? What was going through their minds? I tell you, they were totally confused. And I have a feeling that, in a sense, the words that we just have read from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 to 19, could have been written on that Saturday. The crucifixion had taken place. And all the hopes and dreams that the disciples, the followers of Jesus had, had been completely dashed. And the future was grim. It was hopeless. And that's the argument that Paul is putting over here. If Christ has not been raised, then all these things will follow. So what sort of things follow then? If we have just have Good Friday and no Easter Sunday morning? Well, some of them are very obvious. First of all, he says, if Christ has not risen, then Christ is still dead. Jesus is dead. Just think of the consequences of that. Um, this life that showed so much hope with what he said and what he did is now rotting away in a mid-eastern tomb somewhere. Jesus is dead. Perhaps you can worship him or admire him as some sort of martyr, but I don't think it would have got that far because most of his followers ran away because they thought they were next. If Christ has not been raised, then Christ is still dead. And Christians honor a corpse. Very strange thing. What victory is there in the cross? 
Christ has not risen, then Jesus is still dead. That's what he says there in verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then he goes on to say that if Christ has not been raised, then Christians have nothing to say. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. Now, you might think that anyway. But he's not talking about style here. He's not saying there will be good preachers and bad preachers. What he's saying is that if Christ has been, not been raised from the dead, then there's no content to our preaching. We have nothing to declare. There is no good news. There is nothing of value that we have to say. So every sermon that you've heard is a waste of time. Those of you here who are preachers or who teach in Sunday school or do ladies' meetings or run camps, it's a waste of time. You've got nothing to say if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Every book that has been printed about Christianity, well, it's just a waste of trees. Every film that has been made about Jesus, well, again, it might be interesting for history, but that is all if Christ has not been raised then Christians have nothing to say. He goes on to say more. And if Christ has not been raised, not only is our preaching useless, but so is your faith. Faith, particularly Christian faith, is a waste of time. All you've ever done in the name of Christianity is a waste. Every prayer that you have uttered, every song that has been written and practiced by musicians and sung by Christians for thousands of years. It's just a waste of air. Every deed that is done in the name of Christianity, every service that you have done, you might as well have taken up knitting. You might as well go and watch Coventry City Football Club play. Now, that's a waste of time, but if compared to this, if Christ has not been raised, that's of value. If Christ has not been raised, then Christian faith is a waste of time. In fact, it gets worse, because if Christ has not been raised, the church of Jesus Christ, well, it's a broadcaster of lies, particularly lies about God. That's what it says in verse 15. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. Everything that the church says about God is a bunch of lies. Now, if we have got that fundamentally wrong, if our concept of God, of who he is, what he's done, how he acts, is wrong, then goodness me, anything the church says about anything else, we ought to be very suspect of as well. But if Christ is not risen, then the church is a broadcaster of lies. He goes on to say that if Christ is not risen, not only is Christ still dead, but when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. It really is in a box in the ground, and that's it. Or in the furnace, and you're burned. Or in the sea, and you just rot away. That is it. There is no afterlife. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There is no judgment. There are no consequences. This life is all there is. For some of you might say, well, that is great. But some of you might say, goodness me, that's pretty bleak. But if Christ is not raised, this is all you've got. Enjoy it while you're here, while you're here. If Christ is not raised when you're dead, you're dead. 
If Christ is not raised, there is no answer to the human condition. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This tendency that human beings have to do wrong rather than right, to mess up sometimes the most beautiful things in the world, the problem of sin, for that is what sin is, this ability that we have to mess things up, there's no answer to it. Oh, isn't that desperate? All the good that we see, we know we will mess up. There's no mercy. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness. There is no hope. Evil wins. If Christ has not been raised, we are still in our sins. If Christ has not been raised, everybody who has died believing this stuff has gone nowhere. They are lost. Look at verse 18. If Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, that's shorthand for those who died as Christians, well, they are lost. Because there is no afterlife. There is nothing more to come. There is no idea of meeting people later, of a great reunion with those who've gone on ahead. The idea of people looking down on us now, well, that's a concept that's completely false if Christ has not been raised from the dead. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then Paul finishes off by saying, Christians of all people, they they don't deserve your time. They don't deserve your money. They don't deserve support from the state. They deserve pity. That's what we deserve if Christ has not been raised. Now we come to the small word. And the small word starts verse 20. But. But. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That means every negative that we have just looked at That means Christ is alive. Of course it does, because that's how it starts. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Have we got something to say? Oh, yes. Why? Because Christ has been raised from the dead. Is Christian faith futile? But Christ has been raised from the dead. Do we purport a pack of lies? I know sometimes we're not right on everything, but when it comes to this... But Christ has been raised from the dead. When it comes to life after death, how do we know? We know because Christ has been raised from the dead. But Christ has been raised from the dead. Is there an answer to the human condition? Oh, yes, there is. Why? Because Christ has been raised from the dead. What about those who've gone before? Are they lost? No, because Christ has been raised from the dead. You see the difference that this little word makes. It makes all the difference in the world. Because Christ has been raised from the dead. What a difference this word makes. And the thing I like about that verse, verse 20, it says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There's that tremendous statement, but Christ has been raised from the dead. But then it comes right home to you and I, because the idea there is one of a harvest. And some of you may be aware that in the Old Testament, when the harvest began to ripen, the very first part of the harvest was offered to God. And it was almost saying, thank you, God, for this, and there's a whole load more to come. And that's the picture that we have here. But Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who will believe, who will follow in him. What has happened to Jesus happens to all those who believe in him also. What a tremendous hope that is for every believer here. So Saturday, that forgotten day of the Easter weekend, is because they hadn't heard the word but, had they? They were going through, oh, we are so disappointed. We thought that Jesus was going to be king of the world, but he's dead. We thought he was going to do this, but now we have got no hope. There is no future. We thought he was going to save us, but now we are still in our sins. It's because they hadn't heard the word but. But. And where are you? Where are you in the Easter weekend? Are you still there on the Saturday? Well, you know Jesus really lived and you know he really died because people 2,000 years ago are all dead. So that's no great statement, is it? Jesus died, but Christ has been raised from the dead. And when you come across that word and it comes true for you and you realize what has happened to Jesus can happen to you, it makes all the difference in the world. Perhaps this morning, on this special Sunday morning, on this Easter Sunday morning, you will for the first time discover the truth that Jesus is alive and the difference that he can make for you. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you that we do not worship a memory or just a man of history, but the one who conquered death, who broke out of the grave and is alive and is alive forevermore. And thank you that you are the forerunner, the first fruits. You are the one that's setting the pace. And as we follow you, we too will be raised. Thank you for these truths. Burn them into our hearts and our minds and into our lives, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.